0: For December 21st, 2020, it's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 651. My microphone is made of pure Beskar. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The Overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet, and, uh, we're never happier than when we're hanging out together, talking about the things we love. We enjoy things more when we, uh, enjoy them together. And, uh, here in 2020, when we've been physically distant from each other, it's been very nice as, as 2020 draws to a close. It, you know, why, why not talk about something that's been good? Why not, uh, spend a moment, uh, just trying to focus on gratitude? Uh, and, uh, I'm grateful for the, the podcasters that I get to speak with every week and the, the community that we have engendered all around the world. I'm Matt Rather. I am here with my fellow podcasters, Matthew Belenke. Welcome back to the show, Matt.
1: Yep. I'm broadcasting via my glowing black microphone that you're going to have to claim for me in single combat.
0: Oh, got it. As as long as Pete doesn't get it before I do, because uh, that would be
1: awkward.
0: (laughs) Uh, Pete Fenzel. Hey, Pete. Hey, I accidentally just tripped Matt in the hallway and am broadcasting from
2: his nice black microphone (laughs) that I have acquired
0: by accident. Oh, wow. As a, as long as Mark doesn't uh, steal it from you, because then that would be awkward. And Mark Lee.
3: My microphone is made of pure Beskar. <laughs> <It is> precious. <laughs>
0: Uh, all right. If you haven't sussed that out from that, we are talking about The Mandalorian. <laughs> um, all, all spoilers, all books. I feel comfortable saying that because the episodes, the 16 episodes uh, that we've had so far are numbered chapters 1 through 16. It's actually kind of an interesting question as to what that, um what that uh, signifies in terms of how we're supposed to think of the show, how it's sort of positioned notionally that these are, that these are sort of chapters. Um, so uh let's let's dive in. And uh, I am serious about the spoiler thing. So just a a, a quick, um, just a quick update that uh, 80% of the Holiday Challenge Brain Trust is on this call. So while we are watching while we are recording this podcast, we are not uh, actually watching Christmas movies, but pretty much all the time. Other than that. Uh, we are watching Christmas movies and preparing for the 2020 holiday uh, movie challenge. Is it? Would you say that's accurate, guys? Would you say that? Uh, is it just eating or is it also sleep? Uh, that uh Christmas movies have taken the place
3: of only Christmas movies. This is the way. This is
0: this is the. the... I'm
2: I'm just incredibly dehydrated, but I'm very Christmas. <laughs> I'm I'm noggy with Christmas egg, that's... as it were. <laughs>
1: I am I'm halfway through the Hallmark Christmas movie about Hanukkah and it's making me insecure about the way I celebrate Hanukkah since the people in this movie they, they do Hanukkah on a level that and I assume that like people who celebrate Christmas feel the same way when they watch Hallmark Christmas movies, where like the, the people in those movies are so much more serious and, and do a much better job of celebrating the holiday than any real person.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I guess like, uh, you know, but uh, any Christmas that doesn't end in like broken dishes and abject sobbing is better than any Christmas I've had in my life. So, <laughs>
1: yeah. you know, there's, uh, there's <laughs> a, a scene in, in for... this movie where, where the sort of matriarch of the Jewish family brings out her collection of antique dreidels to show them off. And it makes me very insecure about my own sort of plastic dreidel that I, that I keep at the bottom of the box with the flashlights and the batteries. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's, was yeah. one of them fashioned from uh scrap pieces of wood and auschwitz did they like really go there
1: i don't think so but the movie's not over yet so there's still, <laughs> there's
3: still, there's still
1: t- opportunity I, to make me feel more awkward about oh, it <laughs> oh.
0: wow i i noticed matt that you called it the hallmark christmas movie about hanukkah and i think that says everything you need to know right there all right. Uh, well, we are, we are, uh, continuing and, you know, look for more on that before the end of, uh, before the end of 2020. All right. Let's, uh, let's dive into the Mandalorian. I was very serious about spoilers. Guys, Omar, never mind. Luke Skywalker shows up.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> but a
0: uh, simulacrum of a, an un, an uncanny. Yeah. It's the, the eighth episode of the, of the second season takes place in the uncanny valley. CGI Luke Skywalker shows up. Um, there's a lot of stuff, uh, with him walking in his, uh, you know, in his Jedi hood and robe. Uh, and then he shows up and, and he's, he's Luke Skywalker. Um, in any order that you want to jump in, what did you think of, of CGI Luke Skywalker? Um, and uh, how do you think he capped off this episode? Actually, Mark, let me throw it to you, because I gather you watched and rewatched and rewatched the the Luke Skywalker part. Uh, so, you know, you might have some very developed thoughts about it.
3: I have I have some thoughts on this. Um, first impression. I, I also I'll say that I saw it coming. I was like 99 percent positive this was going to happen. Um, it was telegraphed uh, much earlier in the season um, and just kind of. The, the meta story around The Mandalorian as well, too, in Disney Plus is that um Disney has a lot writing on this. They know that they need all of this to pay off um, in some spectacular way. And what better way to do that than to bring back uh, the ultimate Star Wars hero, Luke Skywalker? Um, I, I was, you know, as soon as the X-Wing shows up, I knew I knew it was him. And yet, right, they build up the anticipation. They stretch it out, stretch it out, stretch it out. And then the moment of the reveal and with the music swelling, right, you know, the force theme, the dual dual sunsets, um binary sunsets. Um it, it was nothing short of electric. It was it just like, you know, brought that feeling of awe that only Star Wars, only good Star Wars can bring to me. I was just totally bought into it. I mean, even like distracted a little bit sure by the Uncanny Valley CGI effect. I actually ascribe um some of that alienation more to so like kind of the audio sync with the lips rather than kind of the visual of the face itself. Yeah, it was weird. Um, it, it was a little bit weird, but uh, did not Take away from the magic of the moment. Um that was my reaction. Fanboy squee. I'll pass it off to someone else to uh (laughs) it's it's funny,
1: Mark. So you you talk about the the way that they built up the anticipation and built up the anticipation, but I also think it was a little bit of a necessity being the mother of invention moment because it, it as it turns out, I had to IMDB this, Mark Hamill is not in fact 25 years old. And so that they could not just simply have that actor walk onto the set and do an elaborate fight scene, so that they had to. I, I think I think that was one of the the things I wasn't sure about before, uh, and and that's why I was not ninety nine percent convinced the way that Mark was that they would bring Mark Hamill back because how could they have him do anything as a as you know it uh, without spending a tremendous amount of money on. Uh, you know, a whole the the sort of special effects that allowed them to de-age Samuel L. Jackson when they did Captain Marvel, and the answer is like they they shot it with a great deal of mystery and panache, where where there's a whole elaborate Luke Skywalker fight scene where he's wearing a hood down over his head and he's shot from from a bunch of uh, angles from behind and from down low, and you don't actually see the reveal, even though you're, you're 110% convinced who it is. Um, And I think it's a really great moment of of having your cake and eating it, too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I sorry, I had a uh, I had my money riding on Samuel L. Jackson, I think. So I lost the mortgage payment. So uh, I'll probably be broadcasting from a different place next month. But no, no, no. uh, Seriously, seriously, Mace Mace Windu? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. Because okay. it's John Favreau, and he, he's who shows up at the end of Iron Man, and I thought that it would be uh, symmetry, right? You know, it rhymes. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's like poetry. It rhymes. No, so when when uh, Grogu and Baby Yoda was first kidnapped at the end of that episode, I was so upset that I turned to my wife and I said, well, there are three options. They can either save him next episode, they can save him the episode after that, or they cannot save him, but at the end of the season finale, there is a big show, some, some big new character shows up, who is like the person who's going to save him? And so I, uh, I credit the episode with both doing exactly what I expected and also doing it in an unexpected way. The interesting part about my viewing it is I watch it with my wife, who has not watched the original trilogy in a while. You know, she's she's watched it a bunch of times, but she hasn't watched the originals in a long time. And so it's and also unlike me, probably has not read. You know. Uh, was it a marriage at? Uh, oh, now I'm going to forget all the old terrible Star Wars books. They're not terrible, but the practice of reading Star Wars books is, is somewhat feels terrible. Uh, the uh, the Karelian books, the Timothy Zahn books, the Kevin J. Anderson books, and have the Luke Skywalker calendar and the Luke Skywalker this, the Luke Skywalker that. So when the X-wing shows up, I'm like, oh wow! And she's like, oh, you know who's that? And first I said, oh, it's the New Republic. Look. And then, and then, because uh, I didn't think it was Luke Skywalker at first, because I didn't think they were gonna they were gonna do that. Um, and then when he got out and he had the green lightsaber, I was like, oh wow, right? And she's like, well, who has a green lightsaber? And I said, because I was slow rolling it, right? And I said, oh, it's 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 Luke Skywalker. It's Luke Skywalker because he had the blue one, but then his father chopped his hand off, so now he has a green one. Right? And so I'm like I'm like saying these things about Luke Skywalker as he's walking down the hallway and kind of remembering the things about him that we knew because of the story that he was in, that we talk about all the time. You still sometimes don't really think about. Um, so I was really wowed by the arrival of Luke Skywalker, which managed to both recall. I've since seen people talk about how it recalls the Vader arrival from rogue one, but it also recalls the Obi-Wan Kenobi and uh Qui-Gon Jinn arrival at the beginning of the Phantom Menace where, you know, they have the hood and it's like, Oh, he's got the cloak. Right. And he's fighting the droids. Um, yeah, I, I was I was charged up. I thought that the worst part of the episode was the part where you could see his face. Uh, I thought that it made sense not to actually sink his mouth up with the words because then you would have to move the skin of his face and then it would look bad. Uh, it did look like it was kind of a TV budget, not a uh, not a big screen budget. Um, you know, Carrie Fisher and Grandma Moffat and Peter Cushing had both also looked bad, but this looked worse. Uh, but the scene was awesome, and and that. All of that could be forgiven, I think, uh, to an extent, although, you know. We can talk about the approach, as it were.
0: I mean, that's so that's that's interesting about about the scene. Is it because he he functions sort of as a as a deus ex machina, right? Like and and it was certain death with the super robots outside the outside the gate. They're doing their punchy punchy to get in. They don't have like a welding, like a laser welder thing. But uh, no, the best way, uh, the best way. To breach any barrier is ominously, so you know that's what they were doing. Punch, <laughs> wait, wait, punch, wait, wait, and then uh, you know all of a all of a sudden, all of a sudden, we're we're saved from from you know certain death. Is that I mean, is that good? Uh, I I don't know. The the Matt sounds like you were about to jump in.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I first of all, I think that the Mandalorian is rapidly developing a problem where everybody is ridiculously overpowered. So that <laughs> even before Luke Skywalker, we have a situation where four characters single handedly just wipe out an entire battle cruiser full of soldiers, and and not even they don't even act like this is a suicide mission. They honestly like like Boba Fett and and uh, Fennec his is assisted there are pretty much doing this as a favor. You know, like, no nobody is, is willing to die to get Baby Yoda back, and they don't feel like that's necessary. They're so confident that they can just waltz through this whole ship and just mow down all the stormtroopers and run out of the bridge. And, and nobody dies. Nobody takes a hit in this whole episode. And then Luke Skywalker comes. Luke Skywalker, Skywalker, I would say, based on my reminiscences of, let's say, the Jedi in the prequels, which, you know, Je- Jedi go down all the time. Jedi are killed by... Um, by clone troopers, Jedi are killed by um I mean, I'm trying to trying to think at the at the end of episode two when they're in the, the little bug arena that like a ton of Jedi are getting killed left and right. So I don't he Luke Skywalker in this sequence seems so ridiculously overpowered that i I seriously question what kind of credible threat they could come up with. Um, which I, I doubt is a problem because I doubt they're going to keep bringing him back considering how stiff and difficult it seemed to put him on screen. But here's the interesting thing about The Mandalorian that obviously I think it, it is meant to stand on its own, but it's also meant to be part of a, of a conversation, not just with nine movies, but with the Clone Wars cartoon show, with uh, a, a generations of books. Um, because there are references to to things outside the movies that that go on, um, but not even just the materials. It, it's a conversation with the sort of fandom, and and there's a bunch of things that happen in the show that I think are best understood in context of like a fan service, right? And to to me, like the depiction of Luke Skywalker in this episode is best understood as a reaction to the to the negative receival of. Um, the way that he's that he was portrayed in episodes eight and nine, right? Because they they bring back Luke Skywalker in these in this sequel trilogy. And Ryan Johnson sort of decides to to sort of uh, mix it up a little bit and have him be this this older, broken figure that's become disillusioned with the Jedi and talks about how there shouldn't be any more Jedi and that they failed. Um, and, you know, has has one. Sort of fight scene at the end. That's a little bit of an anti fight scene where he he turns out to be a, a projection and never actually even touches his opponents. Um, and I think it, it disappointed a lot of people who wanted to see Luke Skywalker as the consummate Jedi Knight, somebody who's who's really come into his powers and uh, you know is 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 just a sort of dominant figure as like Obi Wan or Yoda in their prime. And I think those people finally got it. And and I I sort of feel that the degree of ridiculous mastery that that you see in the scene i'd I'd say almost beyond what 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 obi-wan could have done you know in episode two or three is a sort of a gift to those fans who needed the closure and i think that the second piece of evidence of that that's what's going on is because it would have been so much easier for them to just recast him to have an actual person playing luke skywalker but i feel like it was important for them to be able to put mark hamill's name in the credits and to say that this is mark hamill doing the voice um and that this is mark hamill portraying luke skywalker and here is everybody got their chance to finally see him be the jedi of their wildest fantasies if only for this one little little coda
2: right so you're saying it's sort of like how they included Spock in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot as a way of extending the invitation to the fans of the old series. Hey, you can come home to this series, too. Right. There, there's a bridge for you. Uh, we we like the things you like, as opposed to the the daring strategy of we don't like the things that you like. Right. They We are going to interrogate them. Uh, come come and sit and enjoy the enjoy the sign of. Uh, the, the contradictions as such, um, but, which is part of what we uh, appreciated, I think, for episode eight, right?
1: But it seems um, such a swerve from the last time Luke Skywalker was depicted. And I kind of feel like um, Marvel does that well. That that What it sort of brought to mind was the I'd say the the worst received Marvel movie of the 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 ones we've gotten so far is maybe the second Thor movie, which was kind of a a dour dark affair where he's he's fighting a bunch of dark elves, uh, and his you know his mom is killed, um, and it's not I, I I don't think it was super well received. Honestly, it's 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 better than a lot of certainly better than any of the X Men films that we got. You know, well that when that franchise was circling the drain. Um, and what happened that Marvel could have just sort of been like, well, Thor doesn't work as a solo character. He'll just be part of the Avengers. And instead, they radically swerved the other direction and did uh, Thor Ragnarok, which was a night and day difference, which was a, a really hilarious comedy, super bright and colorful and really changed the character of thor in a way that should have felt incredibly jarring and forced but actually was was delightful and rejuvenating and and made thor much more likable than he had ever been before and i kind of feel like this was a similar thing where it's like okay we get it that you didn't like the sort of old defeated crotchety luke skywalker how would you like to see a completely different luke skywalker which i mean it's it's not I think it would be um, a bigger, a a harder sort of um, gap to jump if it was supposed to be like a direct continuation of the depiction of Luke Skywalker. This is Luke Skywalker a generation earlier, right, when he's still a young man before he's uh, been, you know, had to face Snoke and and failed Ben Solo and all that stuff. But I I do think that, like, the the sort of um, decision to build up to him is maybe sort of driven by a feeling that like the the sequels let people disappointed, but there's there's room to there's room to fix that before we before we officially retire Mark Hamill and maybe consider bringing in somebody else Does, to be did, a Luke
0: Do you feel like uh Grogu knows Ben Solo? You know, you feel like they're buds?
1: I mean, honestly, it's definitely not beyond if if they, for instance, go see Grogu in like a later season, I think Luke Skywalker is setting up some kind of a Jedi school. And I think Ben Solo would be what, like four or five at this point. And I totally think there could be a, you know, and honestly, I remember, I think I wrote an overthinking article like a decade ago when Clone Wars was still an ongoing concern about like what a weird dramatic irony the clone wars cartoon show was where it was this sort of fun you know uh, space adventure about like this gang going around and like fighting the clone wars but like you know that the clone wars ends in the most tragic um, brutal way possible with a complete slaughter of everybody you love and you know this this popular character um was it Aksoka? I'm going to mispronounce this not being a Clone Wars fan, Anakin's Apprentice, it was sort of like if you had to guess what happens to that character, you would have guessed that that character doesn't survive the Clone Wars or doesn't survive Episode 3 because you certainly don't see them um in in the later star wars movies but of course like you know the, as the extended universe cartoon show goes on you could tell this story that brings her into the present day and so that you can see her with the mandalorian and sure enough she's alive and well and all that's to say that if you had to guess now grogu probably dies when all the the young jedi are wiped out when ben solo turns evil and and destroys the school but I'm betting that, like, if the show goes on long enough, or if some kind of extended media goes on long enough, they're going to tell a story that allows Grogu to be safe and to grow up, and, and 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 it'll make perfect sense why Grogu is not a factor at all in the sequels and Luke never mentions him. But I I gotta feel like Grogu isn't brutally killed as like a teenager. So three things, right?
2: Number one, I want to I want to address a couple of the points. Number one, Luke Skywalker is not a Deus Ex Machina. He is the cavalry. That is the function he is serving in the story. It is a Western. It is a series of Westerns. And the call was sent out to to ask for help. And we've seen the New Republic X-Wings kind of patrolling the outer rim, but not fully in control of it. So this is sort of like stagecoach, right? At the end, the cavalry are going to if the good guys can hold out, the cavalry will show up and save them. So, yeah, sort of like a dance back in a little bit different, a little different point. tradition. Right. Fair. Second point. One thing I love about this is this is Luke Skywalker, and I don't mean that in the sense of this is a character everybody loves. Even if you don't like Luke Skywalker, the fact that he is a Skywalker is a problem. He goes to the Emperor, right? In 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 Empire Strikes Back, he goes to Darth Vader, and in Return of the Jedi, he goes to the Emperor, and the possibility is offered to him that if he were to flip sides – he could get to rule the galaxy, right? He can either flip sides and rule the galaxy with Darth Vader, or he can flip sides and he can rule the galaxy with the Emperor. Do you think that offer is just on the table for anybody who can lift a rock, right? <laughs> like, like one of the weird things that the original trilogy kind of promises but doesn't really follow through on, and then the prequels you would really think would promise but also doesn't really follow through on, is the Skywalkers are supposed to be the strongest most gifted forced users like anywhere, right? And the fact that they can turn evil is a huge problem, right? Uh, like 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 yeah, sure, it's great when they're on your side, but they if they turn on you, they are incredibly difficult to deal with, right. and And this is sort of hung out to us and promised to us through the original trilogy. and of course, we see Luke begin to come into his powers. Uh, but we don't really see Luke Skywalker, we certainly don't see Luke Skywalker rise to the level of being as feared as Darth Vader was for his ability to kill people. And certainly in the Clone Wars, Anakin is 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 pretty – in the movies, everybody's running around with a lightsaber. It's hard to tell what's going on. But it's supposed to be like there's Yoda, there's Mace Windu, there's Anakin. Obi-Wan is not even in the conversation. Obi-Wan is not on the level of Anakin Skywalker, like not even close, right? And uh, and, and like – but, but, of course, how would you know that from the things that they actually show you in the movies, right? Because Obi-Wan Kenobi is jumping out the window and flying off with the drone, and he's fighting General Grievous, and he's doing all this stuff. Um, but but I always thought it was interesting, and I think this was part of it being revisited in the later stories, That because there are a lot of other Skywalkers, right, in the other stories. There's, like, Kid Skywalker, and, like, Dog Skywalker, and Skywalker, who's from another dimension and drives a taxi. No, there's just – there's a lot of other Skywalker. Well, there's Leia Skywalker, right? Um they're supposed to have this tremendous gift that is also this tremendous risk and everybody else is supposed to somehow be invested in what ha- what happens to them not because they care about them really but because like they're they're basically weapons of mass destruction right like they're they're really really powerful they're like dragons to daenerys right except they're daenerys and they're the dragon at the same time um and so it was so that's one way you can see it i'm not saying that's the right way Necessarily, because there's a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of different aspects that you could pull from Luke Skywalker, who he is, right? Oh, Luke Skywalker's a country bumpkin who grew up shooting rats, right? And 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 he's is foisted into this situation where he has to join a religious cult, right? Like it's a weird it's a weird arc he goes on, right? It's a weird journey. Do you identify more with Luke the ascetic or with Luke the like flyboy? Because they've both been on screen, right? Do you think Luke is smart? He sure doesn't come off as smart in the beginning of the story, right? Like, uh, but. But in any case, there is ample precedent for the Skywalkers in particular being extremely powerful force users who are very dangerous. Uh, and so I think that he's – because that's how he's presented, right? It's not just as like, oh, man, he's super badass. It's also like this guy is – this is a, a human threshing machine, right? Like this guy is – I mean Moff Gideon tries to shoot himself in the head rather than face him, right? Um, and I don't think it's just because he's going to be taken to Jedi court Right. It's uh, it's it's like this is a serious guy uh, who is who is very violent and heelish because he goes away with Baby Yoda. Right. So like so I think that that part of Luke, I agree that this is about hooking the fans who lost the thread because they didn't really connect with this character anymore that they used to connect with. And, and but I also would suggest that there is a storytelling function to it, which is like Luke is being introduced as a as an ominous presence, if not an objectively evil one, certainly one that is dangerous. And certainly he is not entirely on the side of the good guys uh, because he takes away Baby Yoda, which is what nobody really wants. Um, and third and third, and I'm sorry to rant so much, but third uh, Grogu is a, a foster kid who is abused and missed a lot of his education and moved around from home to home a lot, there is no way he isn't failing out of boarding school. I'm telling you that right now, right? Like, he is, like, like, Luke almost killed Ben Solo for, like, looking at him the wrong way. Like, some kid is gonna push Grogu on the playground, and Grogu's gonna try to choke him to death, right? And Luke is gonna be like, oh, heck no, Baby Yoda, right? Like, I know you're cute, but, like, come on, right? I mean, if Luke was, like, problematic to train, like, it's not just about Baby Yoda's attachment to the Mandalorian. Grogu is, like, significantly down the road to the dark side at this point. And I would be shocked if Luke is capable of dealing right, with it. Which is exactly
1: he... what Ahsoka said, right? She's like, I can't train him because I've seen what happened to the best of us when right. there's this, this anger. Uh, and she, now, Luke doesn't seem to have that hesitation at all. But <laughs> I, honestly, when I was watching this, I thought up to the last second that... The message of the episode was going to be like everyone just assumes what's best for Grogu. But what's actually best for Grogu is he wants to stay with the only person who's ever loved him and the only person who's ever taken care of him. And he doesn't want to be a Jedi. He just wants a dad. And I honestly thought that he was going to politely refuse to go to Luke Skywalker and choose to stay with the Mandalore. And it was going to be the sweetest thing ever. And I was a little surprised that that he yeah. just went off to be trained by this stranger. Although they, I mean, they did try to make it the, the way that he sort of touches the monitor when he sees Luke Skywalker, makes it seem that like he understands that this is the this is the guy he's been waiting for. Would right? you say that would a, you a, say
0: a, Matt that this is the way? <laughs>
1: interesting that was that was such an instant catchphrase in the first season and i mean i think the the big theme of the show has been like can people change right and it was really heavily handed driven home in the first season with the robot with the hunter killer robots that was it was basically by the way terminator 2 uh was the (laughs) subplot of the first season where literally the robot that was trained to kill the baby was reprogrammed by by uh the resistance played by nick nolte um (laughs) To be a protector, and
3: dies um, and dies in the molted bed.
1: Yeah! So actually, wow,
3: this is uh-huh. I know. I yeah, they really go there.
1: Yeah. Um, and that that I think is supposed to be a little microcosm of the of the Mandalorian, who is this sort of grizzled, um, kind of aesthetic, uh, figure that, um. You know, hasn't connected with anybody his whole life. Won't even let his. Yeah. At one point we meet his uh, ex-girlfriends and they they kind of imply that even when they had sex, he kept the mask on. I think I think (laughs) they they actually they actually joke about that. And I totally believe it. Um, And then. You know, so it it made sense to me that that they led up to this moment where he takes the mask off voluntarily to let this child see his face. Um, and I I sort of feel like the theme of the second season is sort of is this the way? Maybe maybe it's not the way. <laughs> um, it is I mean, okay okay
3: okay okay. So I'll find a good Matt, but like we you know what is the way though is that the show is a western, right? We we said it before. Let's just reiterate it again, and that is why it is impossible for Grogu. To um, to Grogu and Mando to become a real, true father son pair, right? Because as we talk about many times on this podcast, right, the archetype of the cowboy is that he is outside of mainstream society, cannot be a family man, cannot be um, you know the, um, the, the 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 family guy, and 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 has to ride off and and do bad things out on the frontier in order to protect civilization, right?
0: It is, it it is is. interesting. And that is, that is very interesting in light of where they leave. Like things are not in a great place when you fade to black on the, uh, on the, on Moth Gideon's light cruiser. Like, uh, you know, he's gone, he's gone off to Jedi school. I, you know, I don't know, Pete, like I, I think part of the, part of the way it's funny, you can do like, um, you can evaluate different kinds of fantasy storytelling by the way they try to square the circle. And like mm-hmm. part part of the way that the Mandalorian tries to to square the circle is that like you can sort of overcome trauma with determination. Right? And that's that's what Mando does. You know, the, like his his thing, he shouldn't be he is a uh you know, orphan who joins a cult. Right. And, uh, it was sort of rescued by a Colton. So it's no, uh, no wonder that he joins them. And I, I do like, I do like that the catchphrase, the like, you know, there could, it could have been, you know, an Ewok level of merchandising around, uh, this is the way. Right. Like, we, you know, the, like, you know, you, you get up, uh, get up in the morning and your, your toilet, you know, you go to take a leak and your <laughs> toilet is covered by one of those little furry toilets here. Covers that says this is the Wii, and then uh, <laughs> <laughs> then you go out and you go, you know, this is the mug of coffee, and yeah. you put on your shirt that's like this is the. Um, anyway, so oh, that, oh,
3: you go to the you go to the gym and you lift, and yeah, wear a t shirt that says this is the W E I G H.
0: Right. Yeah, um, yeah they could have, you know, they they really, uh, yeah, for and that that was not a. That move, that like really burn your ships kind of move, uh, strikes me was not, was not really the way for a Lucasfilm, uh, up to, you know, maybe the, the Marvel acquisition, the Disney acquisition. But sorry. Anyway, like, you know, that he can sort of, he can form, uh, he can sort of learn to form kind of on his own just by trial and error. And just by like regular old healing, like he, he can form meaningful relationships as he does like form a family relationship. Um, even having had no parents himself, he can sort of learn to be a good enough parent, uh, to baby Yoda. Um, So like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Does, uh does the, does he fail out of boarding school? Yeah. I mean, I, I see that as a plot. I also see like, yeah, he's too, it's not even that he's, it's not even that he's. Too mean or too angry. He's too attached, right? Like, that's the thing that, like, gets called out. Like, he's too attached to, to Mando, you know? And the, it's the attachment because the, the, uh, uh, you know, as, as the Buddha says in, I, you know, I think it's episode Five, um, you know, attachment causes suffering. It's one of the it's one of the noble truths that Yoda teaches Luke on Dagoba, and that like, um, you know, so so he's too uh, he he's too much in a relationship in a normal, average, expectable you know family relationship where you would be really upset. You wouldn't be all zen about it, you know, if someone started beating up your dad or something like that.
2: Like, so you guys do you guys not think that Baby Yoda has significantly done down the path? For the dark side
0: at this point in the story he stole a kid's gum he wanted some gum
2: (laughs) (laughs) well so as a counterpoint there's this scene again i'm jumping back a couple episodes and i don't and if we still want to talk about the finale we, we can by all means but when he meets ahsoka ahsoka tests him right and says lift the rock right and and yoda can't lift the rock much like luke can't lift the rock when yoda tries to teach him how to do it uh in in the empire strikes back but then when uh When Mando holds up the shifter knob, Baby Yoda is able to float with great force, right? Uh, With great, you know, speed to his hand. And what does Mando say to Baby Yoda to get him to do it? He says, you want this, which is what the Emperor says to Luke when he offers him his lightsaber to kill him, right? It's, it's It's like, it's not just that Baby Yoda is attached to him, I thought. I think it's that Baby Yoda has appetites. Are something that he can't control because he's a baby. This is rule number one. He's a baby, right? This is the rule number one of parenting. Your baby is a baby, and therefore their behavior can't really be accounted for a lot of the time, right? But like, baby Yoda wants the cookies, he takes the cookies. When baby Yoda wants the shifter knob, he shades the shifter knob. That's the dark side, right? That's that's what it is. It's not just attachment. It's 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 the it's the desire, right? As well as the fear and the anger. Um, that that uh, that fuels you. Why is he so much stronger when he's getting what he wants than when he's doing what he should be doing? Um, and I mean, and also, he, he of course murdered those guys. He strangled those stormtroopers <laughs> and and uh, slammed them against each other and stuff.
0: Um, oh, he was in order just playing. It was cute. That's he was true. Playing. It's just it a was, kid. He's just a kid. It, he's
2: just a kid. You yeah. know.
0: He's just a kid with murderous okay. power. The, the, so before we get off of this, the point that I wanted to make was that the situation in the, the cockpit in the, on the bridge of the, uh, of the light cruiser, uh, vis a vis it being a Western and, you know, Mando operating only out on the frontier, uh, is not great, right? Like things are not looking great for our, our frontier <laughs> hero who like uh, holds in his hand the symbol of like what the, the leadership of Mandalore, right? Like he, he has the he has the you know the scepter uh right the monarch's <laughs> scepter uh yeah. in his hands and so you know claiming claiming to be an outsider uh, after you've just won sort of mythological election um is not uh you know you can't you, you can't really it's not a pose that you can really keep up for for that long so you know i i wonder like i three three one of three things is going to happen now you know, with Mandalorian season three. One is, uh, the, the show completely shifts and it becomes like the wire. It becomes like space wire, uh, that's about sort of, uh, procedure and jurisdiction and, uh, bureaucracy. Um. <laughs> (laughs) out in the out in the new republic two uh is that like very very quickly we revert to the mean and and we get grogu back and it you know it becomes the kind of the buddy comedy again like because like rather than just being a son baby yoda could could you know be a sidekick right with just a little more agency ability to express himself and and you know and and crack wise um you know, or, uh, Samuel L. Jackson shows up. That's the third, that's the third thing that could <laughs> happen. <Well, laughs> uh, yeah.
2: I mean, I would say, go ahead, someone else, but I would say, or Grandad Admiral Thrawn shows up and everything goes, everything goes pear-shaped yeah. real quick.
1: Although they um, already announced like 10 different spinoffs, yeah. one of which is <laughs> it, but, but there actually isn't an, an Ahsoka spinoff. And I'm pretty sure that like that, the, the sort of, a uh, you know, the cliffhanger mention of like, where is Admiral Thrawn? Was meant to just sort of be like your little backdoor uh, teaser into what that spin off show is going to be about. I don't think like the Mothership Mandalorian show is going to follow that thread too deep because honestly, they, they could have. It's interesting. It's interesting. At the end of the first season, he went back and he got all the sidekicks, right? And at the end of this season, he gets all the sidekicks except for he doesn't bother to get Ahsoka. So- a- and maybe it's like, well, he can't find her; she's already moved on to her next target. But it also kind of seems like she's in a different narrative that, like, mm-hmm. she's not. I mean, I also think that, like, even though we talked about how everybody is overpowered in the show, everybody is capable of taking on a hundred guys without breaking a sweat. We saw in the, in the, what the third to last episode that like Boba Fett's and uh, the Mandalorian, like single handedly took out like a platoon, uh, uh, armed with, uh, mortars and and all these, like heavy weaponry without too much trouble. Um, but it, it does, it does kind of see like maybe bringing Ahsoka onto the light cruiser makes it a little too easy or really changes the way that battle goes. Um I'm curious to talk about the dark saber though because honestly we're not going to know until season 3, but what I find interesting about it is we have four mandalorians on the show so far and I don't think any of them actually believe that the dark is important. I think <laughs> right. that because Bo-Katan she doesn't actually believe that the dark is magic. What she believes is that the rubes back on Mandalore, right? The common the the proles, right? The common folk of Mandalore are a superstitious lot and they need this. They 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 need the symbol because otherwise like I can't get elected mayor of Mandalore. You know what I mean? Like like I think I think there's a big difference. Because um and and I think um the uh Moff Gideon says it himself. He's like the the dark saber isn't important. It's the story that's important, and I think it's it's that it's that the word right, the story right. It's not it's not he's not even saying that like it's a magic artifact and it 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 matters and it 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 has a, a an aura around it. He's just sort of like it's a thing that superstitious people believe in, and that's why it's importance. Right? Like don't don't you get the feeling that like it's it's like a political thing now and less of a, the, the, you need to touch me with the magic wand before I can have the power of leadership. Oh yeah, for sure. I would even venture to say that if I don't know,
2: in trying to square the circle, which maybe I often find myself doing more work than I have to, of course, we're all overthinking it. Um, when Bo-Katan refuses the gift of the dark saber, there's, there's many obvious ways that she could have framed it, right? You should have said, well, you know, I did win it from you in combat, space combat. I boarded your ship. I defeated your crew, right? My guy had the job of taking you out, right? Like, I, and then he's like, I'm your lieutenant. You, you won this, right? Uh, it's not, it's not that outlandish, right? So it makes me think that there's some other purpose that it might serve. And it might be like, you know, who, who would be really well suited to join this whole endeavor would be, oh, well, can, can Mando get his old terrorist buddies to join? Right, it's like if they see that Mando has the dark saber, Mando and Bo Katan have like a relationship where Bo Katan knows that Mando doesn't want to be in charge of Mandalore, but he'll go through with this because he has nothing else to do.
1: <laughs> like, uh, but it like, also it also seems like Mando didn't know what the dark saber is, which I take to mean that none of the terrorists are Mandalorians. Know or care what the dark saber is, and so that that what I'm curious about is in season three, presumably we're going to find out who really cares about the dark saber, and it's a bunch of people that we haven't met yet.
2: We're going to find out who cares about the dark saber in the Obi Wan Kenobi show, because Obi Wan Kenobi's ex girlfriend, played by Kate Blanchett on that show, used the dark so I think that King that
1: Blanchett is on the Wan Kenobi show.
2: Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I mean, I saw her in the trailer and I looked it up. So I think she plays Bo-Katan's sister who is the, which is not, I don't know if that's an age difference that's credible, but I think it's, I think that she plays, well, it's also at a at time shifted time and whatever. Yeah. So I think she like
1: plays 10 Bo- years t- before this, right? Yeah. It's like before. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I think it's mostly in flashbacks from what they showed in the trailer, but I think that we're going to learn more about, obi-wan kenobi's mission to mandalore to protect uh the pacifist leader of mandalore who is bo-katan's sister uh who gave bo-katan the dark saber i don't know it just it feels like it's going to be like marvel cinematic universe where like by the time we come back around to ant-man 2 like a whole bunch of things are going to have changed Right. Like when we get back and we're ready for Mandalore three, Mandalorian three, there's going to be characters we don't even know about yet who are like a big deal and, and things that are not in play that will be in play. Got it. So uh, what you're
0: saying is that Thanos is not going to be in Manda, uh, Mandalorian season three, but that we'll all know that Thanos is, <laughs> has done whatever he does in Mandalorian three. and that, uh, Thanos yeah. is Luke Skywalker, man. That's... <laughs>
1: Because here's here's one question that, that I was looking for an answer for that I feel like we don't have enough information to answer, which is why does Mark Moff Gideon carry around the darksaber everywhere he goes? Is it just because it is a useful cutting tool for when he gets stuck in a TIE fighter and or or it's like <laughs> a like a cool looking weapon? It's like a trophy that, that proves what a badass he is? Or is it because that he has some aspiration to rule over Mandalore, or he wants to manipulate the police You know, like is he does he care about the throne of Mandalore, or does he just yes. want like cool sort I think it's so it's, he does.
3: Yeah, that that's uh, in some of the expanded lore around this. If you go watch a YouTube explainer video, they'll give you like this is very long drawn out uh, history of Mandalore. Like, but but even like if you don't aren't aware of that, like I think it's telegraph pretty clearly. Like for he is like oddly invested in all of this in a way that really doesn't make sense and i I think we'll have to find out in season three
2: i hope he's like aaron burr and he's just like he's a disgraced former politician who couldn't rise higher in his station and decided to just go like i'll just go invade st louis and make my own country or arkansas or wherever it is that aaron burr wanted to like make himself king he's like oh i'll just get the dark saber invade mandalore then i don't have to follow orders anymore and i could be the boss i have my own darth vader suit you know, like I don't
3: need so, any So let l- let me just point out that, like, you know, the, the fact, that, even the fact that we're even having this conversation and feel uh, this animated about it, like, speaks again speaks volumes to the success of this show, right? Mm-hmm. It, like this this phrase that I use a lot about uh, the original trilogy of Star Wars is that, you know, watching this as a, as a young kid, it lit my imagination on fire. In that it just like you know it, it sketched out enough of a universe and, and made you care about the characters and then you just started to imagine all the possibilities um, because uh, you had enough information and and you cared and well folks here we are again here we are, are grown ass adults in our thirties and forties uh, and we're jazzed about Star Wars like we were uh, like we were teenagers so mission accomplished thanks Mando <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: yeah I mean I'm I'm curious like. The, the kind of bringing back Luke Skywalker, it, the, the challenge of like branching out the universe in this particular way. And th- they seem to be doing like really a shotgun strategy with this is, um, that like, how do you create the, mo- how do you create new originals? Right. Cause you can't just go back. I suppose over time, CGI and Mark Hamill will get better and better and better. Um, but like, uh, You know, how how do you create new originals where the people showing up can like be, can give you chills for, for that thing, right? Like has the Star Wars universe thrown off a character, uh, that has it thrown off a character where they could do that in 20, 30 years time? Um, you know, when, when it's all getting rebooted for, for another cycle or are we just I mean are we just kind of are we just kind of recycling a little bit like this this would be the thing about like recasting Luke Skywalker that I think would be a strong move maybe not as gratifying in the moment but stronger sort of much in the way that that pete says wouldn't be interesting if uh as you know new directors new actors new ages kind of reinterpret plays if we like reinterpreted films a little bit right like what what would the the reinterpreted luke skywalker look like uh a little bit and like there's there is a model for that in um all kinds of mythological literature where all sorts of characters show up in different contexts. And like, they're like two or three things, you know, that the character has, that's how, you know, it's that character, like from like the hat they wear to whatever, like, but, uh, they can, you know, they can be like in a good mood that day or a bad mood that day, or they can be like dark Tinkerbell where she's all gothy or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever you have, like who is, uh, who is the new, like what, what are the alternatives, luke skywalkers that we could have if we weren't um if we weren't so kind of
3: like
0: bound to this one um well you know i don't know Yeah,
3: i would posit that they've tried this already with ray yeah that Ray is this alternate version of Luke Skywalker, right, with the with the with the out, similar outfit and the you know orphan child on a desert planet that's called adventure and blah 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 blah. And well, we saw how that happened over the the, the, the well, sequel movies, like mixed I results. I think
2: we can venture to say that Ray and Kylo Ren, I think, both come out of the story as like characters that a lot of people had very strong resonances with. I know Ray is polarizing. Uh, I think a lot of people don't like her whose opinion I don't particularly care about um, as well as people who has opinion. I do care about, but more like, I think it's hard to argue with the idea that Ray is like a big deal. Right. And that, you know, if you see somebody wearing a Ray Halloween costume, I, again, it, it's when I, I, think I've said this before. It's like 99% of the star Wars stories are told with action figures, not in movies. Right. Right. And, and so like people have played with Ray. I, I saw so many old Kylo Ren costumes when those movies were coming out for little kids and their parents that even if the movies are kind of a mixed bag and some people really like them and some people don't, I I do think those characters like Daisy Ridley could come back at some point in the future. And I think it would be a big deal. um, If she came back to reprise the role of Ray in like a future star Wars movie, I think people would be interested. I mean, a lot of people would be angry, but those people would probably be angry anyway, even if it was just them eating breakfast. So uh, (laughs) there's not really a cause and effect relationship um but uh why but did they
0: change the logo of my cereal <laughs> i mean we
2: might this story might end with ray right because we're going in that direction so at some point yeah i mean is there going to be a muppet baby show where it's baby oh, ray oh. baby kylo baby yoda <laughs> right?
3: you're talking like, about mandalorian like weaving in the whole like palpatine clone and and uh, and ray's father who was Palpatine's son, clone, clone son, magic, right? That's what you're talking about?
2: Yeah, sure. And also Luke Skywalker having a Jedi Academy yeah. where he brings people... Um, but
1: but also, like, you know, one of the, one of the sort of rumblings that, that's going on in the background of this show is the idea that the Empire is coming back, right? And the Empire is rising up again and starting to show its head. And, I mean, I think the implication is, like, that's what's going to become the First Order. And the person behind that is probably Snoke, right? We're probably about, what, 10 years away, if not less, from Snoke becoming known, right, and the First Order actually starting to— Operate in the open, right? I mean, we're probably 10 years away from the day when Ben Solo destroys the school and the Knights of Ren show up and everything. So I would I think it's completely within the realm of possibility that by the end of the show we'll see Luke Skywalker fighting against Snoke. That that could be like a thing that's that's happening in the Star Wars universe, you know, with the implication being like it's another 10 years before, or it's it's what? It's another 10 or 15 years before episode seven. But still, like, you know, he's a young, I mean, when I say young Snoke, I mean, you know, less decrepitly old. But honestly, like, I think, you know, one one of the few things we know about Snoke is that he's got this horrendous facial scar. I think it would be cool to see who gives him that. Maybe Baby Yoda gives him that scar. Like, that would be fun, right? Yeah. That um.
2: I just went envisioning Snoke wearing like a bright red tank top, swiveling around a chair at the max and like sitting on it backwards. Just like saying, let's <laughs> say hi to the old Bayside gang, yeah. you know, hey, I'm young Snoke. What's good.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. I was about to say like, isn't there. Yeah. Jedi. U is a great concept. That's like <laughs> Luke Skywalker's Jedi school. And like Luke shows up, you know, once a season or something like that, but it's basically saved by the bell. And, uh, <laughs> You know, with, with magic, with space wizards. And that, like, uh, that would be, you know, I, that's a, that's a good show. Like, and maybe, yeah, maybe Snoke's like a a young, hot teacher, you know, who like, uh, who really just defense
1: against the dark arts teacher, right? Right,
0: (laughs) 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 And you know, he just raps with them. He just raps with them. You know, he's like, she's just got a way, a really, you know. um, But somehow, guys, this is the way. And somehow, he encourages (laughs) their anger. Hey, quick question: The Knights of Ren was that just the name of Ben Solo's metal band uh, when he was a teenager, or? Or was they like a different organization who showed up?
1: Uh, I, I still have no clue. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so it's
0: it's not clear if he just took his buddies with him. Like he didn't kill like, some people. Part of
1: Jedi, you right? And yeah, they, they all decide to go rogue together. Right.
0: Yeah, and he took his buddies Uh, with him. That's
1: completely possible.
0: (laughs) Okay, so maybe it was just his metal band from from high school. Uh, Okay, thanks. Sorry, please, please continue. (laughs) This is
1: the way. Here's the thing: like, so now we're at a point where they've announced a bunch of uh, new Star Wars shows, and we're imagining what other Star Wars shows they could create. And I think it's worth giving Disney credit for the fact that they started here. Because I remember when they announced the Mandalorian, there was some skepticism, right? Because people were like, "Oh, this is the first Star Wars live action show, and this is the best they could do." They're like, "This is the, the way." Yeah, it's like out of all like they could have shown us the young Luke Skywalker, they could have you know had the further adventures of Han Solo spinning off from the movie. Uh, they could have you know any any part of the Clone Wars they could have made a live action thing, and instead they're going to show us this this character that we've never seen before, this Mandalorian who's not even Boba Fett. Why should we care? And I I think that that's been, I I think that was a really smart strategy is to start literally on the fringes of civilization, deep, you know, uh, in in the outer rim, far away from the New Republic, um, and then to gradually just sort of circle back towards Luke Skywalker, right, to the point where you could have this handoff. And it seems like the world has opened up. But I think it was smart not to do what might have seemed like the obvious thing and just be like, we're doing we're doing Luke Skywalker, um, you know, even though I think that fans would have been very or, or or to start with the Obi-Wan show. Right. Fans would have been very excited about that. But I think The Mandalorian was a great way to sort of slowly crack open this extended universe, to sort of like test the waters and get people used to the idea of televised Star Wars, and now it seems like it, it's exploding in every possible direction, and and right. it, it remains to be seen whether that's overkill. But it was, a, I think, it was a, a smart strategy. And honestly, I am, I'm curious to see what happens to to these new characters, to the Mandalorian, and to Baby Yoda, and to a slight lesser extent, the other new, the other sort of new uh, sidekicks. <laughs> but there are some cool. I, I want, um, I want Bill Burr to to have a yeah. little. Uh,
3: yeah he was ming a, na wen ming na wen yeah awesome exactly. sniper there were yeah, a so,
1: bunch th- of th- cool new characters that i actually do care about yeah so Timmy i mean Oliphant. we basically
3: said Sorry. this like yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is all just like really underlining this point we made earlier right which is that like this whole thing what we're seeing now is like you could inter- you could say it's a do-over of sequels for the original trilogy right okay we finally had a sequel trilogy and you know with mixed, mixed results let's let's rewind the clock um let's you know more explore the after immediate aftermath of return of the jedi which is what people wanted all along you know let's have the luke and then you know let's let's just explore this thing because we skipped all of it and threw it straight in is threw it straight into episode seven and everybody kind of knows that like that uh felt and not gonna say wrong but like incomplete like mm-hmm. there's a big hole that that episode seven left for us and here we are filling it and uh, isn't this exciting
2: it's like you started the DC cinematic universe with Superman and it's like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) like now what happens? Right. And it's like, and it's not until you get around to the Aquaman movie that people are like, okay, I see where you're going with this. Right. Like people like people. Okay. Superman movie. Okay. This is a good movie, but it's weird. Right. I don't really see where they're going with this whole thing. This isn't really painting a sort of heroic picture that I'm into. And then you have like Batman, And Superman and Suicide Squad, but that was too bad and nobody's going to be in it. Then Wonder Woman happens. It's like, okay, we like the Wonder Woman movie, but like we're not even thinking of it in terms of these other movies. Right. It's it's the way it's connected makes no sense with Steppenwolf and all that stuff. And then finally you have Aquaman and it's like, okay, we're on board. What if they'd done Aquaman first? You know, if they'd just done Aquaman first, they t- Aquaman is the Mandalorian of DC, right? Just like Iron Man is the Mandalorian of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Iron Man was not a, a first string guy you know, back in the day. Uh, and and so starting starting on the on the outer rim and moving inward like Luke Skywalker. That is a Lord Favreau.
0: Knight. That is kind of a Favreau thing, isn't it? Right. Like, uh Swing, yeah. And swingers, swingers. He start
2: out. Cool. Yeah. He starts out lame. They actually don't. He gets
0: cool. they, well, no, they don't get cool. At the <laughs> yeah. <end of> swingers. <laughs> they, they remain lame, but get girlfriends, but the, yeah. the, you know, and they're lame guys with girlfriends, w- w- which yeah. is a thing, but, um, the, uh, yeah, the, but the, it's, it's almost like, it's the, the kind of the insight is that it's the vulnerability that makes you care. You know what I mean? Or it's like, it's the scrappiness and the underdogness, um, that, you know, that makes you care, right? Like, and it's that scene with actually with John Favreau playing blackjack, did, not realizing he sits down at a, uh, a, a hundred dollar table, right? <laughs> and like doubling down on a 10 and, you know, losing his $200 in, in his first hand of, of blackjack. That's, you know, I don't know. That's what makes you care. Um, not, a... Uh, uh, not necessarily the, the not necessarily a lot of CGI punching which is what you know a lot of the the Marvel movies became or the the kind of like the kind of like overpowered supremacy there there was something interesting there was something almost like dark y and i i definitely get that like um thanos is luke skywalker from the way that he like for that last dark trooper it's almost like he sort of enjoyed breaking it up you know like almost like like tearing it apart like uh you know atomizing it from from its inside you know over the course of if only because he took 15 or 20 seconds uh to do it rather than just sort of flinging it aside which must have been uh um, which must have been an option. I don't know. He's he had kind of a he had kind of a Q vibe. Um, but Q at least was enthusiastic, you know, which <laughs> made up for his
1: his, you know, sociopathy. Um, I mean I do have to say, and I, I think that this is probably more a byproduct of the fact that he's a special effect and they can't have him move or emote very much because it's too expensive and difficult. But he does seem extremely monotone and extremely monastic to the point of being like an expressionless cypher and i feel like you know i i sort of understand that like you know he's he's gone further into his sort of evolution towards nirvana and he's he's sort of put aside human emotion in the way that like brand did in the later seasons of uh of game of thrones but honestly like jedi I, I feel like Luke Skywalker wasn't like that and Obi-Wan wasn't like that and Yoda certainly wasn't like that. Yoda had a great sense of humor and, and loved to laugh and everything. And I just sort of feel like if, if they had cast another actor as Luke Skywalker, at the very least, I got to imagine that when he sees the baby Yoda, he smiles, right? Because this is literally a baby version of the of the creature that taught him and now he gets to teach it and I feel like just sort of staring at it with this, blank like, expression is just sort of like he's he's gone so far that he's, like, not he's, – he's Dr. Manhattan now, right? And he's lost all touch with his humanity, and it makes me kind of sad to see Luke Skywalker be that cool and detached. And I got to feel like that's just sort of them running up against the limitations of the special effects rather than the way that they wanted to write him. But that's just my headcanon.
2: Do you think R2-D2 is the one who saved – baby Yoda from the Jedi temple.
1: I've seen that theory. I, I feel like there's nothing to back that up whatsoever, but Woo-hoo. sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hide in my tummy. All right. Let's go. Let's go, buddy. The, the
1: theory that I like better is that uh Archie 2 was having PTSD for the way that Yoda used to hit him with a stick.
0: <laughs> um,
1: he's like, no, not again.
0: <laughs> no, not again. Yeah, it's the baby's gonna be further traumatized. Actually, there's another option for Mandalorian season three. It's uh it's like uh raising baby yoda it's you know two 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 droids and a baby and that's uh how they um and that's how they continue the franchise all right i think we we probably have to leave it there just because we have to at some point uh thanks very much for listening uh matt and pete and mark thanks very much for talking about the mandalorian this uh, uh i guess just to use the other catchphrase we have spoken um so uh we uh continue with the uh we continue with the uh the twenty twenty holiday movie challenge. Uh Christmas Day is this week and I hear there's some films. I hear it's notable mostly because there's some films coming out on HBO Max. Uh which uh now that I have the uh car and driver um streaming service on my Peloton, uh Motor Trend. It, oh, Motor yeah. Trend. <laughs> Sorry. No, maybe you want a comp- uh, competition. <laughs> well, I don't know if they have. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they have like an OTT channel. Um, yeah, the Motor Trend uh, channel on my Peloton uh, is no longer the worst streaming service uh, in the world. So you know we can uh, we can all watch some we can all watch some movies and come back and talk about it uh, next week on the Overthinking It podcast. Till then, you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny.
2: It probably,
3: probably doesn't, doesn't it. deserve. Guys, we've podcasted for together for all these years, but now I'm gonna take my helmet off. And you can hear what my voice really sounds like. And it's like this. Totally different, right? Now you see the real me. Now you hear the real me. You look exactly like Harvey Fierstein. You sound.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This is the way.